Lizzie O'Shea is a board member at Digital Rights Watch and she joins us now. Lizzie, hello. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me on. Uh, look, this is really interesting because Nathan Hondras from WA Today is with me and we were talking about how this was rushed through. Look, I think people generally accept that uh, whatever it takes to stop terrorism on the face of it is a good thing, but just take us through some of the shortcomings with this encryption bill. Yeah, so one of the problems is that encryption is used all the time by people as they go about their business in a daily, in a digital society. So, you know, when you engage in a banking transaction online, you use encryption to protect uh, the transportation of your credit card number between the vendor and your bank, right? So it's, it's banking, it's things like mass transit when trains figure out where they are in space or the electricity grid distributing power. If you have internet-enabled uh, digital infrastructure, that requires encryption as a form of protection. So when you weaken encryption for one purpose, even if it's a very legitimate purpose like fighting terrorism, the problem is that you weaken it for all those purposes and you're putting that infrastructure at risk. And I don't think that's been talked about anywhere near enough as we talk about these powers. I agree with you and I do political commentary myself and and you keep getting asked the either or question. Are you for it or against it? Well, I'm for police being able to keep up with the latest technology and to be able to, you know, we've we let them issue search warrants. Um, we let them do telephone intercepts with a warrant. Mm-hmm. So I understand all of that. And I'm for giving police powers to stop terrorism. You'd be mad if you said you weren't. But what I couldn't get my head around was, and I was listening to Professor Greg Austin from the University of New South Wales, and he was saying, look, a lot of these VPNs are overseas. So what was the one you said before, Nathan? Oh, there's one called Threema, which is an encryption service based in Switzerland. Yeah, okay. So these, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Lizzie, but these guys said, Mm -hmm. hey, no Australian legislation will affect us. They've said to their customers, we will protect you because... The fact that it can't, that people can't access it, that authorities and no one can read it, is their whole business model. So it, it made me wonder, um, how's it going to work? Yeah, I think there's a really legitimate question as to whether these powers are fit for purpose because I think if you're a sophisticated criminal, you'll pretty easily be able to circumvent these and start using uh, programs and applications that are available overseas and immune from these laws. But uh, that's, I guess, part of the problem. This process has been so truncated. The bill was only released a couple of short months ago. There was evidence put before the committee, but it was a very rushed process. And we even saw in the dying days of the last parliament day of the sitting year that there was amendments put, withdrawn. It was just an absolute mess. And I don't mm. think that produces good law. In fact, I think it produces mm. terrible laws with lots of unforeseen consequences. So I think in these kinds of situations, what we really need to do is listen to experts in cybersecurity. Uh, I do think we need to listen to technology companies. And I think you could do that in a way that would meet the needs of law enforcement in an effective manner without undermining uh, digital infrastructure, without uh, violating people's privacy. I think lots of this stuff is possible, but what we've seen is not that process being put in place. So you had a situation where these laws were passed despite um, there were significant Australian technology companies who had concerns about them and they weren't consulted at all. Now, that seems hugely alarming to me that you would draft legislation that's this sophisticated and that has this this such broad powers without talking to companies first about how they might be able to cooperate and help law enforcement do their job. I think something's really wrong here. We need to have a mature discussion about how to manage 
risk by you know state-sponsored hackers and criminal hackers as well, alongside the need for law enforcement to do their job. And I think law enforcement's got plenty of powers at their disposal. They need mm-hmm. to get smarter in how they use them and not just assume that giving them more powers will somehow solve our national security problems. I think what we've seen here is, in fact, we're going to import a huge amount more risk and not necessarily get the benefit to the, to the extent that we're having that discussion around national security. But that's unfortunately not what happened in the last days of this parliament. No, and just... a bad law. And just mm-hmm. and just before, um, I know Nathan's got a question. There's so many threads to this, but I mean, what we saw on the last day of Parliament was was not even about this in a lot of ways. Mm. You know, there are all of these amendments. There are things to slow things down. Labor said, you know, they'll they'll come back and they'll be seeking to have those amendments uh, acknowledged and and some of that changed. But they, the politics of it, Lizzie, became pretty toxic, didn't it? Because. <laughs> Everyone in well, everyone in Australia thinks, uh, you know, not everyone, but I would say the majority view. So this became about politics and the majority view that hey, uh, we need to ensure that the police, as they told us, aren't operating with one hand tied behind their back. That was the whole idea. So Labor was sort of wedged on that. Yeah, well, uh, the the coalition talks about terrorism because they're frightened of looking incompetent as a government and they think they can win votes. The Labor Party is terrified of losing a, a battle on national security so pass laws. But I think that's not what elected politicians should be doing. I think they represent the people, so they should be uh, advocating for the public interest. And what we've seen here is national security agencies pushing for greater powers for themselves, and that often comes at the expense of the public. And you'd expect politicians to do the bidding of the public not just assume when national security agencies ask for something that you say yes. You should actually ask why. You should ask, how can we do this better? How can we make sure that we're protecting civilians from attacks by by hackers and also achieve the purposes of law enforcement in terms of what they're asking for in this bill? And that's just not what happened. It's hugely disappointing. Well, interestingly, I I note that the legislation was introduced into Parliament 10 days after the public comments closed. Now, that's uh, not enough time for the government to think about the advice they were seeking from from companies and from individuals and from lawyers uh the the national uh the joint uh committee on um on on national security and intelligence i don't think had enough time to properly contemplate the legislation and the senate certainly didn't have enough time to act do its job as the house of review which is one of its jobs to properly look at this legislation but lizzie look, what... i completely yeah i completely agree with that can i just add in yeah. though as well in that very short consultation period at digital rights watch we asked the public to make submissions to the relevant uh, lawmakers and the committee members, as you described. And we actually got uh, nearly 15,000 submissions from the public. So the public understand this issue. They're engaged. They're interested in getting this policy right. And then also what went to the committee is numerous submissions from very uh, experienced experts, from companies that do a lot of business and deal with hacking all the time. And there was extensive evidence put before them, and it was essentially ignored. And I think it's a real failure of our democratic process when that happens. It just produces bad laws, which is what we've got. So a couple of quick questions for you before we wrap this up. I've heard people say that business will go overseas as a result. I wonder if what these laws are really about is being able to access, say, uh, someone who's involved in child pornography or a, a terrorism suspect to access what they're doing. And then if the encryption company, the VPN, call it WhatsApp or whoever it is, says, no, no, we're, we're not a part of Australian law because you didn't join, you might, you might be in Australia, but we're not bound by Australian law, would it mean that they might just have the powers to, that this bill gives them the powers to hack it? 
So I, I, when there was a person that gave evidence before me, actually, before the parliamentary committee, and he was from uh, one of Australia's premier companies in cybersecurity, and he provides products into 40 countries around the world. And he says our products are trusted uh, more than any other country in the world because when people buy cybersecurity products from us, and, and I'm talking about like parliaments around the world, like legitimate operators. Not, he doesn't sell to criminals, of course. It's a legitimate company. They trust our products because they know that intelligence agencies haven't tampered with them. So what we sell, what we give to you is what you get. And they now say it's very difficult for them to make that promise because there's no way a, con- a customer will know whether the uh, software that they're selling has been tampered with by the Australian government. And I think that's a terrible thing. So I can completely understand why companies like that might wish to move abroad, why it makes it very difficult difficult for companies based in Australia to say to their customers around the world that the product that we're selling is a good product and it's not been fiddled with by uh, security agencies. So the tech sector understandably is very upset about this. Uh, But of course, I mean, uh, my concern really is for everyday people who will have to rely on technology that could be um, weakened by the fact of uh, intelligence agencies tampering with it and open us up to the risk of those weaknesses being abused by criminals and state-sponsored hackers and making our lives hell. We rely on technology like this all the time. Mm. We're very vulnerable to hacking. Our best protection is encryption. And what we saw last week is the government taking that away, and I just don't think it's good enough. And supported by the opposition. Couldn't have got through without Indeed. the opposition. So our leaders. 100%. I, I just think there's more. Lizzie, I'm sure you do too. I think there's more to this and... So many questions around it. Whenever you see something rushed, and I understand we're getting into Christmas and it's a time that's highlighted as peak terrorism and that generally speaking the community would say, look, whatever powers you need. I understand all of this, but there are a lot of questions around it. So we could talk to you about it forever. Uh, just before you go, what did, what did Europe, what did, say, the UK and America decide to do on these sorts of issues? Well, I think it's an interesting point of comparison, actually, because the UK has a bill that's somewhat similar, I suppose, uh, that went through extensive consultation processes over the course of years, not months, uh, with lots of input from lots of different companies and experts. And ultimately, the laws they passed are far less aggressive than what we've got in Australia. So I think it's very disappointing to look at our comparative countries abroad and realise just how far we've gone and how much we've put at risk for this kind of thing. The other thing I'd say about the Christmas period, I completely understand the risks that people are talking about there, but the key powers in the bill have a 28-day compliance period. So the idea that any of these powers could be meaningfully used by either law enforcement or implemented by a technology company is entirely spurious. And so I think it's important to remember that a lot of the anxiety, the fear-mongering around these kinds of laws is often false, and we need to take it with a grain of salt and, and take careful time to think about policy before we introduce it and we do something that we're going to regret later. Lizzie O'Shea, thanks for your time on this Sunday morning. Thank you so much for having me on. There she is, Lizzie O'Shea, board member at Digital Rights Watch.